This, this is the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Find us on air, online, on mobile, and on your smart speaker. Please subscribe at ourautoexpert.com. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Now, here's the host of Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Nick Miles. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast. This is America's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on smartphone or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert, where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with Truck Girl Jen. Uh, a good week, although we seem to be getting tireder. Yes. I noticed, like, uh, you know, the, the weekend mornings for us are like, mwah, mwah, mwah. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm trying to get as much riding into my motorcycle before the weather goes bad. Mm-hmm. It's good weather. Why have you never ridden a bike, by the way? I have. I've ridden. Do you have a street license? No. I've ridden one into a tree and one into a fence and decided that the four wheels are better for Oh, Jen. that's the end of the show. Thanks, Jen. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. You brought it down. Three wheels are good, too. Uh, why can't we get you onto a motorcycle? I don't, I don't like that tippy, leany thing. You know when you got to go around a corner? I think that's why I ran into it. You know when you get out of bed in the morning? What? You know when you get out of bed in the morning? Yeah. You put your feet on the ground? Um, when when yeah. you get the tippy, leany thing, you put your foot down. That's how that works. <laughs> Do you see how short I am? Yeah, but you get a uh, bike for you. Have you ever ridden, have you ridden my Grom? My no. Honda Grom? No, I'm good. All right. I, I see a Facebook video coming up. Just saying. <laughs> oh, we're good. What? Nothing. Why can't You should try and write. Ra- my Honda Grom is for people of our stature. Okay. In fact, my. But you're taller than I am right now. E- yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Now she, now she wants to play the short card. <laughs> oh, I can see fine over the hood, even if I have to put phone books in my first car. I still have a pillow in my truck. Tra- oh. To sit on? Yeah. Anyways. They make the pedals come what up now. The seat could come up. The only thing is touching the floor is an issue. We, you know, and we have some exciting news. Blocks on the pedals. We see, are now see, on Pandora. See that Jen is trying to change the <laughs> subject because she doesn't like it when she gets Spotify. When she gets dogged on. <laughs> look over here, magician misdirection. Don't look there. Look over here. Let's not talk about how tall I am. Let's talk about the fact the show's on Pandora. But I'm still four foot one. Oh, oh four foot one. Come on, give me a little more than that. Four, four foot, foot two. Eleven. Oh, four foot eleven. I'm still three, four foot eleven. Three quarters See, of uh, an inch. I have to do what Trump does. I have to push you all the way one side so you come back to me. Doesn't no. It doesn't work with me. Oh, apparently we went back to <laughs> claiming I was four foot eleven. It's because you said four uh, foot one. Please. Uh, I have a, a Honda Rebel that is specially made for people with little walkie things. That's legs in my language. Walkie things. Yeah, walkie things. So you could sit on that. I can fit on it, and I can put both feet on the ground. I'm going to guess you can get at least one foot on the ground, well, which we'll is all you to need. Test that out. All right. After the show, Nick and Jen riding motorcycles. For going, having our lunch meeting and riding motorcycles. Uh, what's on the show today, Jen? Oh, a that's lot my of stuff. I, a, lot of, a lot of stuff. Yeah. Come on, Nick. On we got some today. exciting stuff today. Mark Gillies is going to be here to talk about the uh, the new Passat R line. Um, <laughs> I'm looking out in the parking lot, and we have Jordan's car, which mm-hmm. he, he just got new, parks ne- parked next to my Passat. Uh, and uh, the difference in is about in years. I actually like the color of uh, Jordan's car a lot better. 
Our tester is a bright red. His is like a deep, a deep black cherry. Is it what? A black cherry is what I would have called it. Anyway, we're going to talk about that with Mark Gillies. Nissan just announced the 2021 GTR and GTR Nismo. We'll celebrate that with uh, Giulio Vitti, a Senior Manager of Sports Cars Product Planning from Nissan. Kevin Smith joining us to talk about the brand new G80 and the GV80. Oh, my God, they're amazing. I had them in my driveway and wasn't allowed to drive them on the road, but drove them around. Uh, drove them around my driveway. Yeah. Didn't drive it on the road. Actually, that's not true. When the truck dropped it off, they left it in the road, and I drove it into my driveway. You weren't allowed to drive it on the road? Why? Because they weren't licensed. Oh. Oh, oh, there's that pesky license thing. Yeah, okay. There's a pesky license thing we had to do. Jim Morrison joining us. He's the president (laughs) of Jeep North America. We're going to talk to him about the brand new Jeep Grand Wagoneer, which was just announced. Uh, One of our favorite, one of favorite, Jen's favorite topics, trucks. Roman Micah joining us to talk about the new, uh, it's complicated, but it's it's not mid-size trucks. It's half-done trucks. Mid-size are the 1500s. Uh, No. Uh, it's complicated, isn't it, Jen? Now I'm getting blamed for that, by Nick's the way. Anton Warman uh, from Seeking Alpha talking to us about what's happening in the auto industry. And Perry Stern joining us from MSN to talk about uh, the new Rolls-Royce Cullinan and the Ghost just announced, too. We'll have that on in a couple of weeks. We'll be talking about the new Ghost. All right. Let's start off the show uh, with our friend. <coughs> and let me just look down the list. Oh, there's not too many English people on the show. Like with two weeks ago when Mark was on, the show was full of English people. Roger Armitage from... Yeah. And everyone was on. We seem to dominate the auto industry. It's the English guys, the team of Nick Miles and Mark Gillies from VW. I uh, seem to pick them. <laughs> you do. <laughs> do you, uh, do, Mark, do you get a lot of people uh, questioning why you should be uh, talking about cars in America? I've been here long enough now that I don't think they should, to be yeah, honest. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and to be honest, we do know a fair amount more than the average. Well, it all started mm-hmm. with the you know rich and famous. Remember that show? Yeah, he wasn't even English, Robin Leach. Yeah. No, he wasn't even English. Well. So there we go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mark, you have, we, I'm dro- I drove it into the studio this week. It is the brand new 2020 Passat R-Line. Um, the back end is quite stunning. I mean, the whole car is stunning. But the back end with the letters Passat across the back of the trunk, uh, when I walked out into my driveway and saw it the first time, now when they drop the cars off, they do the whole COVID thing where they leave the key in the cup holder and, you know, they clean it all out and see there's no contact uh, drop off. So I walked out to see it in the driveway and um, it, it's really nice. Did a great job of making it look more luxury. I will see the letters across the back from Range Rover and cars like that. But uh, the Passat now has its letters across the back. Is that new? Yeah, it is. I mean, we, we uh, um, last year, I guess, we, we completely changed the sheet metal, certainly the front end and, and the rear end. And um, it's more coupe-like. It's it's more dramatic, especially if you've got the R-Line. You know, it's got a pretty aggressive uh, bumper, uh, aggressive lighting as well. So it looks it looks a lot more contemporary and um, more striking than the car when it, when it first came out. I noticed the wheels um, are very complicated. I don't even, I, I, I would try, hasten to guess I couldn't even name what kind of design they are, but they sort of have this, they're, they're almost not like spokes, but they have these little, little Isle of Man signs that go around them. Um, it's sort of that, you know, if you're familiar with the three legs from the Isle of Man, it almost looks like that. It's a very striking design. Yeah, I mean, I've always said for a long, long time, you know, dating back to, you know, when I was first a journalist, Volkswagen group and Audi has always done really nice wheels and, and the 19s on the Passat are, are, are pretty nice. I mean, as you say, there's 
I don't know, it's, it's, it's like a five-spoke wheel, but it looks like there's like 10 or 12 of them the way they've done it. So it's a, it's a really, really, really good-looking wheel, that one. And as I said, they've always, you know, the Volkswagen, Volkswagen Group's always done really good wheel design. Uh, I don't know whether they just collar the, the market in wheel designers or something like that, but, but they've, always, they've always been striking. The other thing that's interesting is, you know, the base car nowadays has 17-inch wheels. And, I'm, you know, I'm racing this weekend with my GTI with my son and you know it had, that's got 14s and we thought they were big in you know, 1990 so. <laughs> yeah I, honestly now I see I think there's two two cars that come standard with 24s now and one's the Rolls Royce coming and something else and honestly they seem ridiculous I mean when you when you see these wheels roll, well you know they cost 44,000 a wheel but when you see them rolled out um, uh, from somewhere uh, with these huge wheels on cars, you s- it still seems ridiculous. But I'm sure there will be a day when uh, oh, twenties, twenty ones, twenty twos. Oh, that's that's the standard wheel on the car, isn't it? It's, it's, yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's uh, you're going back to the thirties, and you know the big luxury cars back then had like twenty inch wheels. Yeah, so. that's true. Yeah. That is true. Uh, the Passat sort of the bread and butter for your U- U.S. operation, wasn't it? It was sort of the car that. Uh, came to put it planted the flag in North America for production. It did, yeah. So we we started producing it in Chattanooga in 2011, and you know the car's been very successful over its lifetime. Um, I, I think at the moment, you know, the, the bread and butter of everybody's lineup is compact SUVs. You know, that in 2010, you know, uh, cars, particularly mid-sized cars, were a huge segment and. Those car segments have been shrinking ever since. I think, you know, Jetta does very well. Um, Passat sales are, are nowhere near what they were. And I think that's just because the market's just shrinking for the, the passenger cars while people are moving into, you know, particularly mid-size and compact SUVs. I think one of the things that people tend to forget is for the money, you can get an awful lot in a mid-size uh, sedan. Uh, or a, Yeah, know. I yeah, absolutely agreed. I mean, the starting price is, you know, touch under 23 grand and you get a lot of standard kit, you know, uh, you know, full LED lighting, what we call App Connect, which is our um, mobile phone connection system, um, things like blind spot monitor, front assist with pedestrian monitoring. Um, you get all of that and you get a huge amount of rear legroom and, and trunk space in these cars. And I think you're right. I mean, it's it's kind of people are overlooking them, but I think in some ways... You know, the rear seat in a Passat is, is a place I'd rather be than the rear seat of a compact sedan. There's, there's much more legroom in that. Th- yeah. um, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, the the R-Line is sort of your good looker, I would say. It's the pretty child. <laughs> it's... it's- it's it, well. It's 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 more the sort of more aggressive, not aggressively dressed, but more flamboyantly dressed version of a car. Yeah. It's, it's, okay. <laughs> I, mean, um, I know you're not supposed to favour any child above the other, but it is the one that you uh, like to put at the front of the queue, really, isn't it? it? It is. I think it looks good. I mean, I like I like the way they've done the the, the front and rear treatments. Uh, you know, the wheels are good. It's got a very you know, basically. So it's a sporty looking vehicle, and and you know. Um, it's 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 one of those cars that just it just looks good from all angles as well and it just again as you say it stands out it's got it's just more aggressive and sportier i guess at the end of the day um what what can you get it up to if you spend every, um, you know every every box I, I can't remember from memory but it's around 
you know, 30, low 30s, basically, if you tick every box. Right. Um, you know, some of, the, some of the available features we've got on it are things like um, a Fender premium audio system, which I think is really nice. Um, Mark, we're, right. we're, we're running out of time, but if you want to read more, go to VW.com. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Catch up with previous episodes of the show at our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all past shows, see automotive videos, and read insider car stories about your next ride. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. You can find it all at ourautoexpert.com. I have fond memories of driving the Nissan GTR 50 and several other Nissan GTRs in my history, but around uh, the track at Laguna Seca. And the Nissan GTR is one of those cars I like to throw my friends in. In fact, um, I always thought the ride was a little bumpy, although very dynamic to drive. Uh, I may have put a producer of mine in the trunk and driven it uh, around just to show them how bumpy it was. And uh, then they agreed with me. It was pretty bumpy if you drive spiritedly along streets. But the performance is unbelievable. All-wheel drive out of a V6 engine. Joining us on the phone to talk about the new GTRs uh, is Giulio Vitti, who is the Senior Manager of Product Planning for Sports Cars, and he is the guy who knows more about the GTR and GTR Nismo, I hope, than any other person in, uh, in the stable of Nissan. So still the halo car for Nissan, the GTR. Is that correct? Yes, Nick. This is a great start to you. That's perfectly correct. The GTR for us is the pursuit of the ultimate driving pleasure. It's a car that you the company put all the background and technology to provide a customer with a great experience. Nobody has ever come up with a good competitor for the GTR. I mean, as a V6 engine creates, you know, a 3.8 liter V6 engine that creates 565 horsepower uh, and it's all-wheel drive and the competition seems to have fast cars but they're not all-wheel drive. Uh, they need to use a V8 engine. Why has nobody managed to uh, bring out a car that's a real competitor to the GTR? You know what? This is a great point. I think one of the key uh, reasons is because the Nissan keeps raising the bar. So if you compare when you introduce this generation, uh, based in model year 2008, what we call this uh, generation R35, uh, we had to make so many improvements in the car. Uh, we had a big facelift in model year 17. And recently, in other year 20, had so many changes that make the car much stronger, much faster. So, and of course, if you consider also the version Nismo, this is our, we are taking performance to different level. Yeah, I, I noticed that by the price tag of two hundred and ten thousand seven hundred and forty dollars, you have to be really committed to the Nismo, uh, to the uh, GTR Nismo for that sort of price. But the drive, how how much more do you get than the regular GTR Premium when you talk about something that's a Nismo? What more does it give you? Wow, there's a lot of stuff. So we can start about the engine. So the Nismo horsepower is much higher. We're talking here about six hundred horsepower. Basically, we are using technology with uh, turbochargers from the GT3 racing category. So they are much more stronger. They spool faster. They are uh, reacting quicker, eliminate any gaps. Also, the transmission have a special arm mode for better uh, changes in, uh, in the racing track. Uh, and very important as well is the Nismo. It's much later. 
If the model year 20, when we start to adopt many carbon fiber uh, in the car, and also with the carbon ceramics, we are able to reduce the weight in 64 pounds wow. combining the body and the chassis. Uh, so the car is much stronger, is much quicker. Uh, the carbon ceramic brakes also is, uh, you know, they are 60 inches of diameter, the rotor. So in, even the wheels, the forged wheels are able to make them lighter. And we have a new compound tire for the new Dunlops that give us 7% more grip. If you combine all of these with the new aerodynamics as well, when you have these new front fenders and, and carbon fiber with scallops, those scallops help to make the air flow better in the body, improving the downforce. So that makes the Nismo something very, very special. I think I've driven, you know, lots of race cars over my career. I've been on lots of racetracks, helmeted and unhelmeted uh, drive events. And one of the things I constantly remember about the GTR drive is it's not complicated. When I get behind some perhaps German vehicles which are uh, the same sort of power um, as, as this, although usually using a V8 engine, it's it's hard work to drive it. Even something like the Dodge Viper, real hard work to drive it. But Nissan, the engineers have maintained a, still a fairly simple to drive attitude. Even with a Nismo, you don't actually have to struggle to get it around the track. It's it's almost intuitive the way it flows. Yeah, that's correct. So if you think about the, the premium version, we made a lot of improvements in the ride comfort and also to reduce the noise, vibration, harshness, and harshness, so it's a much more a friendly car. If you talk about the Nismo, we made some tests, and because of the car, it's, it's lighter with all this carbon uh, fiber, and we are able to adjust the suspension. So, for instance, if you are in a, like a, a Nürburgring circuit, where Nissan works very hard to adjust the vehicle, uh, you can be a, like at 186 miles per hour, and the car is very very, you know, keeps stand still and gives a lot of confidence to the driver. So that also is a key part of the total pleasure to drive. When will these uh, 2021s, uh, oh, I guess it's the GTR, is it, is it, are they both 2021s or is it just the GT uh, Premium that's a 2021? Uh, both are, are 2021. And yes. when, when will they go so, on sale or, or are they on sale now? As I presume in the fall sometime. Yes. So this fall here, we start to receive the units from, from Japan, and, and the, the cars will be arriving to the dealers. All right. Well, I'm going to look forward to that. And, and by the way, uh, if you ever need somebody to, uh, as a layman who doesn't know much about uh, track driving, uh, Julia, if you ever need me to go to the Nürburgring and test it out for you, I'd be more than willing to volunteer my time to do that. Uh, I, I also enjoyed driving the, the GTR 50 around Laguna Seca. I got, I got four laps in and it was extremely exciting, I have to tell you. Uh, thank you for joining us. That is uh, what you need to know about the brand new Nissan. Nissan GTR, the premium version and the Nismo version, right from the lips of uh, Giulio Vitti, who is the senior manager of product planning at sports cars at, uh, at Nissan, knows all about those vehicles. Still to come, a packed show for you today. I can't tell you enough of the excitement I have on this show because we're also going to get an opportunity to talk to the president of Jeep about the brand new Wagoneer, the grand Wagoneer that was just introduced pretty exciting. Stand by. More Our Auto Expert on the way. I'm Nick Myers.
You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. This is our Auto Expert Radio Show. It's on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can start a conversation with us, ask a car question, just direct messages at Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm Nick Miles, along with Truck Girl Jen. Recently, um, I was lucky enough to have two vehicles delivered to my house uh, via a truck uh, that I enjoyed driving only in my driveway because you're not allowed to, wasn't allowed to drive them on the street. But I enjoyed them very much. They are were the brand new Genesis G80 and GV80. Um, and Genesis have done an amazing job with these vehicles. In fact, uh, I had the G90 at the same time out of the press fleet. So there was I had all three of them and did a story on all three of them. But the interesting thing about this is I look at the competition and for the G90, that would be the uh, S-Class. For the GV, it would be the, the E-Class. But I look at the competition, and I'm getting a lot of things in this Genesis, in these Genesis cars that you don't get in the competition. Plus, it's the first time that my spouse has ever said, yes, I would be happy to own one of these. <laughs> because usually I'm like, I want one of these. No, you can't have one. I want one of these. No, you can't have one. Oh, I want one of these. No, you can't have them. It's almost like working with Jen every day. But uh, <laughs> ultimately, they are great cars. Joining us on the phone is Kevin Smith. He is the senior group manager for Genesis. Uh, Kevin, when, well, first of all, I have to ask you, uh, the first question is, these vehicles, we got to see them, the GV80 in Miami uh, last year, I think it was. Uh, when, when are they going to be in dealers? Because we're really excited about them. They're coming quite soon, Nick. Good to talk to you, Jen. Good to talk to you as well. Thanks for having me on. Um, they're coming quite soon. We can count it in, in weeks rather than months now. They'll be just around the corner. Um, so this is sort of a big jump for, for Genesis. Uh, the brand's been establishing itself quite solidly as the luxury arm of the Hyundai Motor Company. Uh, the vehicles that you have done already have had quite a few heads turning. The G70 was quite a stunner for a lot of people and came in lots of different forms and, and models. Now the GV80 and the G80 are uh, getting a lot of acclaim from people that get into them. Uh, what's the game plan with Genesis here? Is it to plant your feet solidly as a luxury brand in North America? Yeah, pure dominance is our plan. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> yes. Uh, tell us a little bit about the cars. So the GV80, your first SUV coming to market in the United States. Yes, indeed. The first one, and we've got a second one coming next year as well. Uh, some of the features that it has, I noticed, uh, it, you've done quite a lot that you only see uh, usually on very high-end vehicles. Uh, automatic seats, uh, you, you have some world firsts as well, uh, where you have sort of a bladder in the seat to make sure the ride is comfortable. Yeah, we call that the Ergo Motion driver seat, and it's basically a um, massaging seat, so you, uh, when you're driving long distances, you're less fatigued in the driver's seat. Uh, the quality of materials on the inside, Kevin, is uh, is pretty outstanding. Um, when I'm us usually using tactile things like uh, going around with my fingers on some of the switches and the buttons, they seem to be extremely high quality. Was was the feel, the touch, was that something that was really important to Genesis to make sure that everybody felt uh, like it was extremely superior? Yeah, very, very important to us. We wanted to be very authentic. So if you look in the interior of the vehicle... You know, everything that looks like wood, open pore wood, is open pore wood. Everything that looks like leather is leather. 
Everything looks like metal. A lot of the switch gear is not plastic. It's actually aluminum machined and knurled aluminum. It's beautiful stuff. It's like art. Uh, it's the the color choices too is uh, sort of very adventurous. Uh, the vehicles I've seen in some of the photographs, these deep, this deep green for the GV80, uh, it looks like you're sort of doing a very modern, a very youthful sort of uh, spin on luxury. Yes, indeed, we are absolutely. We 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 want to disrupt the luxury space, and I only half jokingly say we want to dominate. We want to dominate the luxury space. We want to disrupt it wake people up and get them to walk away from heritage brands and try out new luxury with Genesis. A lot of the things that uh, I noticed Genesis is doing it is sort of fairly uh, significantly below the price that people have expected to pay for this kind of luxury. Well, I think a lot of the other brands, to their credit, they've built up quite a, an amount of brand equity through the decades. So they command a higher price and you're paying for air. We don't charge for air. <laughs> uh, that's I like that. I like that. The uh, the, the things that it comes with, uh, you know, are very advanced. Uh, you'd have to pay usually a lot of extra uh, for these in other vehicles. But but standard sort of uh, ten airbags, that sort of thing, a centre mounted airbag between the front uh, occupants uh, to make sure yeah. that people don't hit each other. That's I haven't really seen any of that in in the competitors. So there's sort of a thoughtful process that went into this is to sort of not just meet the Germans and the Japanese on what you're doing, but uh, um, to at least exceed what they're doing with their vehicles. Yeah, absolutely. One of the best ways to disrupt the luxury space is build better products than they do. And that's obviously what you've done. Uh, in, interesting yeah. designs on the inside, too. Do we attribute this to being a Korean design, or uh, how do we attribute it to you? Because I'm looking at a lot of the things at the front. I mean, it has that regal elegance. When I look at the front of the GV80, for instance, it looks very much like something that you might have seen from Rolls-Royce or from Bentley. So there's almost that step beyond the major German three luxury manufacturers into a space that hasn't really been occupied, uh, going head-to-head -head with, you know, I mean, I look at the, the, the quad lights at the front, and that, that's Bentley have always had their round, full round lights at the front. And you guys have that sort of, you're going into that space at the same time. So is it going above and beyond what everybody else is doing? I believe it is. I really think it is. And a lot of people, quite frankly, um, confuse the GV80 when they first see it, uh, oftentimes with the Bentley Bentayga. I love we it. We showed the vehicle uh, back in March, actually, at uh, the Amelia Island Concord d'Elegance. We just parked one in front of the Ritz-Carlton there and stood near it and talked to people all weekend about it. And the vast majority of people that walked through there that weekend thought it was a Bentley Bentayga before they got up close and took a close look at it. And then they were just amazed with, with it being a Genesis and the price point at that. Um, so let's talk about price points. The GV80, uh, how much does it start out in the G80? Where are we looking? Uh, the G80 starts at about 47,000 plus destination. The GV80 is about 49,000 plus destination. And they go up to, uh, you know, high 60s for the G80 and low, low 70s, like 70, 71, 72 for the GV80 fully equipped. Uh, and, and there's not, you, you sort of made the steps fairly easy, haven't you? I think, was it three different trim levels and, and pretty much everything you'd want would come with those trim levels? Yeah, we, quite, we try and keep it easy throughout our port product portfolio. We try and put a lot of features, a lot of equipment in the vehicle so you don't have to pay extra for options. You just choose the certain trim level you want, and you've got all the goods you want. 
So we keep it keep it simpler that way. Keep fewer variants that way in the, in the lineup. What can you tell us about uh, the new SUV that you alluded to earlier on that we'll see next year? Do we know what sort of size it is? Do we know where it's going to fall in the lineup? You're bad. It'll be a mid-size. <laughs> well, this one, the GV80 technically is a mid-size, though it borders on large. Right. Um, the the second SUV will be smaller than the GV80. It'll be based upon the uh, G, uh, G70 platform. All right. I almost feel like I was just uh, on the East Coast with you at the launch of the G70. I think in New Hampshire we did it. Uh, I, I feel like we were yeah. just there, and now you have all of the the entire lineup has been refreshed since then. So you you guys are working very very fast. I know that you, one of the cars that I was extremely interested in was the Mint that you showed. At, I think at the New York Auto Show a, a couple years ago. Uh, is is that is, was that just a concept, or was it an indication of things to come? That was definitely an indication of things to come. Maybe not literally that body style but we will have an electric vehicle enter our lineup before the end of calendar year 21 right uh and and let's just quickly brush onto the technology in the uh the g80 and the gv80 it seems like uh, you put an awful lot of technology in there big screens uh multiple chargers those type of things uh something to really make sure that the the vehicle uh, allows this younger generation to connect with it yeah, definitely. It's uh, they're extremely well equipped vehicles. It's hard to imagine putting any other features in these cars when they're when they're well equipped. They're uh, uh, outstanding. Uh, one of the features that's unique in the uh, GV80 is we've got um, actually road noise cancellation in that vehicle as well, which is a, a world first in that vehicle. Yeah, I noticed that uh, uh, in the driveway drives up and down. Am I going to actually get to be able to drive one on the real roads when uh, when they come? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely uh, I, when we dropped them off at your place that was just the initial tease right yeah but that it, was a good tease it was a Nick. tease enough it was a tease enough for my my spouse to uh, want want to have one and it's very hard to do so i i've been on the verge of buying several cars and been told no and this was the first time i've been told yes so uh, we're looking forward to them arriving in dealerships very soon. Kevin Smith, the big cheese over at uh, Genesis. They got, they're doing some really exciting things. So three cars in the lineup now, the G70, uh, the G80, the GV80, and the G90. And they're, uh, they're all going to be in dealerships before the end of the year. Of course, the G70 and the G90 is already on sale. And I do enjoy the G90. I think if, if I ever decided to be an ambassador of state, the G, G90 would probably be uh, the car that i would have them drive me around in it's elegant yet uh, not ostentatious and do you know what ostentatious means jen oh my god i don't either it, it does <laughs> it, it means nick miles it means nick miles <laughs> all right thanks kevin more to come on the show uh, stand by we actually we have a lot of stuff that we want to get through today uh we're also gonna talk a little bit about uh some of the cars that we've been driving which is kind of fun uh we get a couple cars dropped off for the show every week uh, from the car companies that we get to drive around the country side, I wouldn't say the whole country, and uh, do some tests with and do some real-world tests. And this week, uh, I was driving the new Buick Encore GX, which is a step above the Encore, and I was driving the Ford Ranger truck, which is uh, interesting because we'll talk about trucks coming up in the show. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. 
your smart speaker can be your radio. Just say, hey Google, hey Alexa, or hey Siri, our auto expert radio show. Play it in full. All previous episodes of the show, the podcast, are available. Hours of endless fun awaits you. I'm Nick Miles. This is our auto expert radio show where two million Americans get their automotive news daily, including Jen. She gets her automotive <laughs> news daily here from here. Uh, I, interestingly enough, there goes my phone. Oh. There you go. Siri's talking to me. Yeah, because it was trying my music to get our auto expert, and it needs to go to podcasts. Mm -hmm. I say it slightly differently so that everybody's our Alexas don't go off at home. Hey Alexa, (laughs) (laughs) everyone hates me now. Um, I wonder what happens if you have Alexa in your car. Does it go off when you say Hey Alexa? If you're listening in your car right now, Hey Alexa, navigate to Nick's house. Quit messing with people. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's hilarious. It's a little bit too. Uh, I'm, it, my Alexa goes off if there's a TV ad about Alexa. And the TV's on. Mm. Yeah, she goes, I can't find, you know, yeah. uh, help me, I've fallen and can't get up. <laughs> it's just interesting. Uh, a lot of car companies are partnering together to do things now. General Motors and Honda uh, are exploring uh, shared vehicle platforms. Uh, propulsion systems for a variety of their upcoming segments. Uh, combined efforts will establish both companies to accelerate innovations and more effective, uh, effectively deploying resources in advanced and the next generation of technologies. The alliance will build on the success of the collaboration in the electrified and technologies vehicle segment. Uh, General Motors doing that. Ford is doing the same with uh, Honda. Is it Ford? No, Ford's doing the same with uh, VW. And then Chrysler, uh, FCA, Fiat Chrysler, which is Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Fiat. Uh, Alpha. Alpha Romeo, I'm missing one. Chrysler. Mercedes, or uh, Maserati. Mas- Mas- uh, yeah, so Maserati's sort of on the fringe. It's not actually part of the same group. But uh, they, uh, they now are part of the Peugeot Citroën yes. uh, group. So everybody's uh, uniting. It's going to be like three big car companies in the world at one point. So Mitsubishi, Nissan, and Infiniti are all uh, under the same building, in the mm-hmm. same building. Uh, they have an alliance with Renault mm-hmm. um, and several other people. It's, it's, it's like countries uniting. I think it's going to be four, wouldn't it? There'll be four large uh, companies. Anyway, the Toyota and Mazda, that would be five. No, so five. Toyota and Mazda are getting together. There's a lot of people alliancing. And it was interesting to see that Honda and General Motors are going to be working on future vehicle strategies and trying to develop some electric vehicles together, too. I think they have a lot of technology there, but some some of these companies work better on some technologies and others on others, and they've been re- re- putting their resources together, basically. Uh, one of the vehicles that I've had the uh, pleasure of driving this week has been the new 2020 Encore, uh, the Buick Encore GX. Of course, that does come with Alexa. Um, so it's interesting. The f- there's two companies that have done this now. Nissan has the Rogue and the Rogue Sport, which are technically two different vehicles. They are different sizes, but they lump them together in sales. And now uh, they're over at Buick. They have the Encore, which is the small entry-level subcompact CUV, and then the Encore GX, which is a compact CUV. So 
it's it's interesting how they're using the same name yet uh, changing the size of the vehicle. I actually uh, the, the Encore itself is a little small for me. The Encore GX is a lot of fun. I do actually enjoy driving that more than uh, a lot of the vehicles. And it you know it comes in a variety of fun colors. You're you're really able to do a lot uh, with it. I like the idea that it it's sort of it starts at twenty five thousand six hundred and ninety five dollars. Oh, sorry, six hundred and yeah ninety five dollars. Um, it does about 26 miles a gallon on, in the city, 29 on the highway, which isn't great. It does seat five people, and it has about a 50 cubic feet uh, luggage space, which is quite considerable at the back of the vehicle. Um, of course, it does come with all the latest technology. I like to test uh, the OnStar every time I get into it. That and doesn't surprise me. Yesterday, <laughs> I used the OnStar button, and I asked some directions to uh, a restaurant I like to go to called the India Grill. Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, could you send directions, you know, I gave him the address, to the India Grill. And uh, he goes, uh, I can't find it. He goes, hi, I can't find it. And I was like, he had a very, very southeast accent. Mm-hmm. And I went, uh, he goes, how are you spelling growl? G-R-A-L-L? I said, no, grill, like barbecue grill. G-R-I-L-L. He goes, oh, I'm sorry. Uh I guess my English accent failed the OnStar representative. He couldn't understand me. So that's always a challenge for me. You think it's funny, but you know how hard it is to talk to people and they have no idea what you're saying? <laughs> it's my <laughs> life. It's my life. I can talk to people and they go... Well, at least you could talk to Alexa and Siri. They they pretend like I've got some weird accent. Well, all you have to say is the, right, the first word right, and then after that, they're yeah. like, uh-huh. hey, Alexa. Bing, <laughs> Um <laughs> I called I called 911 the other day because what? there was a fire. I drove past uh, um, some bark dust, which was on fire. Oh, that's pretty common. Lately. And uh, I called them and said, hey, there's bark dust on fire at the corner of, I gave them the address. And they said, there's a box on fire? I know. I said, bark dust. Oh, bark dust. Not bark dust. Bark dust. So I had to tailor my accent for even for the cars to understand me. You know how many times I've been sitting in cars and I've gone, uh, you know, you press the button and you say, please navigate to this address. And they go, that station isn't available. Yeah. Hey, Mercedes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't even start with that. <laughs> Although I do like to mess with the uh, jibber jabber settings in Hey Mercedes. So the mm-hmm. jibber-jabber is the common phrases that she's programmed with where she will respond. There's 20 of them. My favorite one is, Hey Mercedes, follow that car. And she goes, what do you think this is? A Hollywood movie? <laughs> she does that to me all the time. So. You know which one my favorite is. Wait, the wait. German joke. Oh, yeah. Hey Mercedes. Tell um, me a joke. Tell me a joke. I can't. My engineers for German. Yeah. She doesn't do it in the accent. She goes, I can't. My engineers are German. Um, my favorite one is, hey, Mercedes, what do you think of BMW? You know what she does? Mm-mm. I like to see them in my rearview mirror. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Some, so what's Kudos your, to Mercedes. Hi, hi I'm Nick. Uh, Nick Miles. I'm the, uh, the TV anchor and host of Our Auto Expert. Oh, yeah. My name is Klaus. I write some jokes for hey, Mercedes. <laughs> <laughs> There's a guy. There's a guy sitting in a room in Germany somewhere that writes the Hey Mercedes jokes. Yeah, I, I want to be that person. It's. I feel almost like it's uh, James Corden having a production meeting before the you know his show on primetime on NBC and them going, okay, here are the jokes we got for you tonight. No, that's not going to work. There's a room of a guy comes in. Here's the jokes for Hey Mercedes this month. <laughs> no, not funny. Uh, my brother-in-law is always used to say, um, you know, 
I mean, who wouldn't find this funny? Who who wouldn't have a sense of humor and find this funny? And he'd always go, the Germans. <laughs> that, was, that was his thing. He always used to accuse them of not having a sense of humor. But they clearly do because we've seen the, yes, the Hey Mercedes thinking. stuff. Yep. Anyway, enjoy driving the 2020 Encore GX. Uh, really nice uh, piece of machinery. Um, I try to convince my parents that they should have one. I think they're just a little over it. I, I said bright red. My mom's like, yeah, not happening. The blue is really pretty. It is. It's, it's very acro. Yeah. All right. More to come. OurAutoExpert.com is the website. I'm Nick Myers. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast, this is America's car radio show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on smartphone, or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert, where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with truck girl Jen, who does like other things than trucks, although she'd like to have you believe that she's... Sports cars. Sports cars. And trucks. And trucks. You have a very uh, narrow band of things that you like and what are you what do i am what am i luxury and wagons no i like big suvs true i like rugged go anywhere vehicles okay uh-huh me I too like, me too yeah but you like trucks yeah but i like the jeep you like the jeep like there is more than one <laughs> the wrangler the wrangler Mm-hmm. The Wrangler's a classic, a modern classic. Mm-hmm. You know that they announced okay, the. Okay, I really um, love the Rubicon. You know they announced the plug-in, Wrangler, this week. Yeah, you know me in electric. Yeah, what you're boring. <laughs> Let's talk about the brand new release. Okay. Okay. Jen doesn't want me to talk about her because she doesn't like it when I get into her own space. Uh, jo- <laughs> joining us on the phone is, uh, is our pal. It seems to be a weekly occurrence, and we like it that way. Jim Morrison from Jeep. He is the big cheese over there. So, Jim, you alluded it to the last time that you were on. The brand-new Wagoneer uh, is here. We were watching the Instagram feed from Jeep all week. Uh, how was it received when uh, – by the way, if no one has – if you haven't seen the Wagoneer, ourautoexpert.com, great article on there about the Wagoneer. Uh, how was it received, Jim? Yeah, I know. Thanks for the uh, great, uh, uh, great words, Nick. The, uh, the article is great. The, um, the new Grand Wagoneer has been very well received. It's got a lot of, a uh, lot of chatter on uh, on all the social uh, feeds. It's been very well received by the uh, the media, uh, like yourself. So thank you very much. And uh, you know, it's it's really exciting. We've got the you know the content out there. We're engaging what everyone's saying about the uh, the new Grand Wagoneer. But it's uh, you know it's been a while out of the marketplace, and we're Happy to be back, uh, you know, with a really an historic nameplate that, uh, you know, a great extension for the uh, the Jeep brand to be pushing into this new space and and uh, bringing back uh, the Grand Wagoneer nameplate. It's uh, uh, pretty exciting. Of course. I, I know the answers to these questions, but I have to ask them. Is it going to be as capable as a regular Jeep? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of the focus has been on, you know, how luxurious the interior is and you know, the 75 inches of screens and, you know, all the, the plush luxury pieces that, uh, you know, that vehicle has. But I can tell you, it is true capability. Um, you know, it's going to have three four-wheel drive systems. The Pinnacle is going to be our active drive, uh, fully automatic transferring torque all around the vehicle, uh, up to 100% of the torque to one wheel. The thing will climb up a uh, wall if you let it. It's going to have skid plates, tow hooks. Don't worry, it's a, uh, it's a true uh, born of Jeep capability. I'm a bit afraid, Jim, 
to go out into the wilderness and put my muddy feet on the inside of this car. <laughs> looks a bit <laughs> looks a bit posh for me to go get dirty. Yeah, you know it is. Uh, it's neat. It's got these little, uh, you know, power boards that pop out of the side and uh, you know kind of tuck up underneath. But it's uh, it's ready to be rugged and too. And if you think of you know the original um, you know Grand Wagoneer, it was a real lifestyle vehicle. You know whether you had your dogs in it, whether you're going fishing with it, whether you're taking it to horse shows, it was ready to be you know part of your life. And this Grand Wagoneer will uh, absolutely be uh, just the same. I know we talked about this when I uh, spent some time with you at the Chicago show a few years ago, but there seems to be um, a glut of vehicles that will tow horse boxes. So there's this this section of the public who like nice luxury vehicles. They don't want a truck, but they want the truck capable. They want their vehicle nice and luxurious and capable to tow a horse box as well. Does that meet the mark? Horse trailer. Oh, for sure. It's it's going to tow with confidence. Trust me. You know me and horse shows and and horses and and uh, like Manly often said, this is the reason we're doing the vehicle so I can keep up with my size and my horse trailer. But the um, you know the the reality of it is this is going to be a very capable and comfortable hauler. In fact, I was at a horse show earlier uh, today and and there was a bunch of big uh, SUVs hauling you know horse trailers uh, and uh, this will fit in. It'd be a great uh, vehicle to take you know, your family to a horse show. Uh, with and trust me it'll tow better than anybody else once we get uh, into the marketplace uh, but then you can drive it every day and and uh, you know you can um, take your kids to uh, soccer or you can go to a symphony and it. it's going to have a great uh, uh, scope this new Grand Wagoneer. Now there's there's an important thing here this is a big change for Jeep because Jeep has not been this luxurious in their history. This is high-end luxury that you've got. Is this something we should be paying attention to in the, the brand spreading a finger out somewhere? Well, it, it certainly is a, an extension of the range. And, and you know, we, um, you know, unfortunately, we, we kind of topped out with, you know, um, Summit Grand Cherokees in the past, only two rows of vehicles. So, you know, sometimes, you know, your family grew you know, your, your toys grew or your ability to, uh, you know, pull your stuff in just what, you know, Grand Cherokee wasn't big enough. So, you know, this is uh, a vehicle that will, uh, will fit those needs. And, uh, and it really is reaching, um, you know, the, um, the Grand Wagoneer into a, uh, into a white space for us. So it's, uh, it's, um, a little bit of an extension of the Jeep brand for sure, but we're going to be, um, rugged and luxurious at the same time. So the other question I have is the definition of the word grand. So we have the Cherokee and Grand Cherokee. Does does grand mean bigger or does it mean more luxurious or will there be a Wagoneer as opposed to the Grand Wagoneer or what's the plan? Yes, it, there's going to be a Wagoneer and a Grand Wagoneer and the and the Grand will be um nice. Er, you know what I mean? It'll be the it'll be the premium uh, end. Yeah. We're also going to do the long version of it as well, so uh, we'll have uh, short and long variants of both. Uh, oh, because um, you know I like I really like the Wagoneer. I think it's very very beautiful, but I want to be a little more utility with my vehicle. So I yes. you know I don't want it to be so necessary, so luxurious. Um, but I like the I mean perhaps I have to buy two. I don't know. Yes, there uh, you go. You've also made it fairly green as well, haven't you? It's uh, there's sort of environmental stuff going on with this vehicle. Yeah, for sure. The concept was a uh, was a plug-in uh, similar to the 4 by e Wrangler that we also launched this past week. Um, you know, with the that's the the first electric Jeep we're going to bring to market um, with the uh, with the Wrangler. Um, but the uh, also there was materials 
you know, real uh, wood. We had um, authentic and and uh, recyclable materials on the seats as well as uh, kind of a, a nice, you know, raw aluminum and, and uh, piano black, uh, you know, raw materials on the interior as well. So lots of uh, recyclable and green messages uh, with uh, with the concept. When do we get to uh, see a, because this is a concept, right? So when is there a final vehicle? You know, it's going to be later this year, um, you know, and, and uh, we're still kind of juggling, you know, with all these auto shows being canceled on us, you know, how exactly to bring these to market for you guys. But uh, it will be, uh, it'll be later this year. Now. So the, the, on, on the calendar, the next auto show that isn't canceled is Chicago which was the last one we had before everything was canceled. So. Yeah, exactly. It seems like it was just yesterday we were uh, you know, launching the uh, Mojave um, Gladiator in, in, uh, in Chicago. But, uh, yeah, we're going to have to do this one remotely outside of an auto show here this year somewhere. Um, and, and you guys at FCA, uh, you're still going to start to do sort of journalist ride and drives again, uh, hopefully this year. I know a lot of other companies, uh, I've been on a few events this year already. They're starting to sort of kick up again, but we will get a chance to drive it sometime before the end of the year. Is that right? Um, we will probably drive the Grand Wagoneer. We're going to get a chance probably to get you in the, uh, the new Wrangler, uh, electric four by E. So that's, uh, probably the next uh, drive uh, with uh, with you guys. I think we have uh, we're going to have you back on to talk about the four four by e. I think, or uh, we're going to at least try to do that in the future. Oh, um, that would be great. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm interested. Tomorrow, I'm going to be going to be wheeling it tomorrow. Oh. Um, my wife and I are going to go play with it tomorrow in, a, in an off road park, not too far uh, away from our house. So. Um, I'll, uh, I can tell you all the latest with that. Uh, yeah, I, time, I'm interested. I'm interested because um, I've had several plug-in hybrid vehicles um, on lo- on loans, long-term loans recently, and uh, yes. I'm actually fascinated by trying to just use electricity alone. In fact, I had one that, uh, you know, I was planning my trips around. Oh, it does 36 miles on a single charge or it does 25 miles on a single charge. I'd plan my trips yep. so I could recharge it. Um, oh, even cool. though even though you have the ability to recharge, and this is really important for the West Coast as well. I mean, it's important for the whole country, but uh, these plug-in vehicles are really important for those people that want to maintain their HOV lane stickers and those type of things. Yeah. Um, yes, so sure. it's a big deal and uh, and it's a Jeep too. It's a it's a Wrangler too, which means that uh, it's going to have all the fun and capability, and you'll have uh, both sides of those. Quickly back to the to the Grand Wagoneer as well. Do we have any idea? It looks like it's going to be super expensive. Do we have any idea when we'll know about price and those type of things? You know, we haven't announced price uh, yet, but I mean, it's going to fill the uh, the range of that size of utility vehicles. You know that the competitors have in the marketplace. So, you know, in the in the sixty to one hundred range, probably a little bit north of that with the real premium stuff and. And uh, but we'll be we'll be right in the uh, the hunt. We want to go toe to toe with you know the stuff that the uh, the general and the Ford uh, offerings have. So we uh, we want to be uh, very competitive with those guys. So can't wait to get to the marketplace. Yeah, I'm I'm actually uh, pretty excited about it too. So you've still got a bunch of stuff coming in the next uh, year or so too, though. So we shouldn't take our eyes off Jeep for for a while, right? Yes, new uh, new Grand Cherokee around the corner, um, you know, and. Uh, um, you know, Wrangler with the electric, and then uh, of course the uh, the Wagoneer and the Grand Wagoneer. So um, no uh, rest in the uh, in the Jeep studio or in the uh, in the Jeep. Uh, we're all working from home right now, but uh, we're we're uh, you know trying to keep up with all the uh, the stuff that's coming down the pipe. 
Um, I will tell you that uh, I'm, I'm very amazed, and I would also tell you that if it was an easy job and there was lots of resting to do, they'd have someone else do it. You're, you're doing that job because they know that you can. Uh, Jim, it's always great to talk to you. Jim Morrison, one of my pals, uh, the head of Jeep, talking about the new Grand Wagoneer. And I have to tell you, I'm struggling not to put a get ready to put a deposit on this, too, because it, it looks just exactly uh, up my alley. Doesn't it, Jim? I it, love it. It looks up my alley. All right, more to come. Our auto you're listening to our auto expert catch up with previous episodes of the show on our website ourautoexpert.com you can hear all the past shows see automotive videos and read insider car stories about your next ride our auto expert is where two million americans get their automotive news daily I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with Truck Girl Jen. Uh, had an opportunity recently to drive the Ranger for 2020. There is a new one supposedly coming in 2021 that's going to have some updates. But I noticed from J.D. Parent Associates' uh, initial re- reports on sales that it is one of the vehicles that did better than expected through COVID-19. And when I say better than expected, the pre-COVID uh, predictions for the mid-sized trucks were a lot less than they actually sold. They seem to be a hot commodity in the United States. States, a lot of people buying them and a lot of people enjoying these vehicles. So I thought uh, we'd grab a guy who knows more about trucks than pretty much anybody I know, unless they're an automaker and then they only know about their own. But this guy is the encyclopedia for trucks. He has the number one truck website on YouTube or the number one truck channel on YouTube and a truck website from the fast lane truck. Uh, Roman Micah joining us. Uh, Roman, the the best mid-sized trucks, or they're doing much better than we expected, a hot commodity with your truck fans? Yeah, mid-sized trucks are having a moment. Actually, Nick, all trucks are having a moment. You know, car sales during COVID have been down, uh, but truck sales for, gosh, the last several months have actually held steady. So, you know, in relative terms, they've been doing really well. So, yeah, and, you know, there are three truck segments, right? There's mid-size, which is weird because they're the small ones. Uh, there are uh, full-size or half-tons, and then there are full heavy-duty trucks, but, yeah, that, that, that small truck category is rocking it. Uh, there are sort of different styles of vehicles, I guess, in this. There's Well, there's, there's one that sort of stands out as being very different from the others, and that is the Honda Ridgeline, because that's really based on their SUV, isn't it? It's, it's not what we would consider necessarily a, a real truck, but it sort of is a SUV with a bed. Yeah, you know, Honda has taken a much different approach. Most trucks have... Uh, you know, like a Jeep, a low range, right? So it has a low speed transfer case, which makes it uh, very off-road worthy. Honda has decided that, uh, you know, with the Ridgeline, they want to make it more car-like. So uh, it's probably one of the best on-road trucks you could buy. Uh, it certainly is, you know, very comfortable. Got a lot of really smart engineering. So the tailgate opens down and then it swings like a barn door. Uh, it also has this really cool kind of underbed storage where you could you know, throw ice in and throw some of your favorite cold beverages or whatever. You could lock stuff up in there. Uh, it's it's a really interesting uh, design. Uh, and uh, in America, you know, a lot of truck guys and gals love kind of the, the traditional trucks. And so the Honda has always been kind of, you know, in the background in terms of sales. Uh, let's talk about the trucks that are probably the core, the Gladiator, of course, the new Wrangler version of the truck. There's the Tacoma, which is probably the oldest from Toyota, uh, the one that has sort of remained 
uh, around the longest. The Colorado and Canyon, Colorado from Chevrolet and the Canyon from GMC, which are based on the same vehicle. The uh, the Nissan Frontier, again, uh, a truck which has been around for a long time without any refresh. And then the Ford Ranger as well. Uh, which is Which are the most popular uh, in that segment? Which are the ones that sort of are the core of the segment? Uh, you know, there's no doubt that the uh, Tacoma is the 800-pound gorilla in the room. Uh, it sells usually in, you know, 200,000-plus units or trucks every That is a lot of trucks, Nick. Um, you know, and it's uh, because of, I think, Toyota's reputation uh, for reliability. You know, Tacomas in some states, depending on where you live, can actually cost you more money, get this, to buy used than new, which to me seems crazy, but a used Tacoma in today's market, like in here in Colorado, uh, can be more expensive to use than new, and it also depreciates the least. So uh, I think you put all that together, and you've got just a really popular truck. Uh, and then, you know, coming up behind it are, the, like you said, the GM twins, the Colorado and Canyon. Uh, they're getting a little long in the tooth. Uh, they do offer uh, a diesel in that segment, which is pretty cool. We call it the baby Duramax or the baby Max. It's a little 2.4-liter diesel engine. Uh, and they do a, a really cool off-road version called the ZR2, uh, which has, like, you know, the Jeep Gladiator locking front and rear uh, differentials. So uh, the Colorado Canyon Twins do really well. Uh, Jeep kind of came out really strong. There was a lot of popularity in the Gladiator, right? So basically, if you look at a Wrangler and you put a bet on it, that's a Gladiator. Um, Jeep doesn't like that, but that's what it is. Uh, and they came out really expensive. It was the first edition, I think it was like over $60,000 for a mid-sized truck. It's right. a boatload of money. Uh, uh, how do we think the Ford Ranger did? Because to me, the Ranger had the potential to be absolutely massive, but it just doesn't seem to have got the traction I was expecting. Well, Ranger's doing actually much better in the marketplace. It's selling, I think um, they're on pace to do over 100,000 units this year, which is pretty phenomenal. Uh, and the thing about the Ranger is, you know, so, so the Ranger is a very popular nameplate, right? It, it was around. People loved them. They were chucky trucks, right? They were kind of nothing fancy about them. And then Ford decided to go away with it. And the rationale for that was they didn't want to cannibalize sales of the F-150. Right. Um, so they did away with it. But they kept it going in the rest of the world, right? So you could buy Rangers in Europe. You could buy Rangers in South America. And then a few years ago, they thought, you know what? Uh, maybe we should bring it back to this uh, market. And they brought it back. They did make some changes uh, for the U.S. market, but for the most part, it was very similar to the uh, you know European Ranger. Uh, and in that regard, it's a little bit once again long in the tooth. Uh, you know, it's uh, more truck-like. A lot of the new trucks, especially full-size trucks, are becoming much more like luxury cars. You know, you can get things like oh gosh, heated and cooled seats, and you know all the luxury features you would see in like a BMW are now keeping their way into trucks, but the Ranger still, you know, is a very trucky truck. It's traditional. It's you know, it's uh, it's meant to haul and tow stuff, yeah. uh, uh, and, and it's you know doing well because of it. Uh, let's let's talk about finally uh, before we run out of time. Uh, there is one key uh, truck player who's missing out of this midsize truck range, and that's Ram. Uh, any whispers that they may do a midsize truck in the future? Yeah, you know, there's been a lot of a lot of speculation. So Ram uh, had the Dakota, which in its segment was get this the only V8 uh, small truck, right? <laughs> right. Uh, which is pretty cool because uh, people, especially now, with gas prices being so low, uh, and so there's been a lot of speculation that the Dakota is coming back 
uh, and that there may be a V8 version of it. You know, I, I don't know. You know, Ram is owned by FCA, which also owns Jeep, and so then they would be competing against themselves yeah, yeah. against the Jeep product. So, you know, nothing. nothing you know, I wish I could. I wish I could tell you, Nick. There's a a new Dakota VA coming, but, you know, maybe, maybe not. Hard to say. <laughs> if you want to read anything about trucks or see the videos, uh, the, F- the TFL, the Fast Lane Truck, is the number one YouTube channel, channel. Roman Micah, of course, steering that ship there. And also you can read uh, stuff at their website as well. And, of course, if you need to know about a truck because you're going to buy one, that's a great place to do research. Stand by. Anton Warman next on Our Auto Expert. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert podcast. This is our auto expert on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can start a conversation with us, ask a con question, just direct messages, or send us uh, anything on any of the social media platforms. Our auto expert. It's where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. He joins us every single week to talk about what's going on in the automotive industry. Anton Warman. He's an independent analyst and investor. You can read the majority of his stuff at Seeking Alpha and The Street. And he also has a great insight into what auto companies are doing, how they're coming with autonomous vehicles, and the electric state of the world. Anton, let's start off this week with talking about Volkswagen beginning delivery of the ID3 all over Europe, uh, Norway, the Netherlands, UK, Germany. This is getting their foot back into the water after the Dieselgate scandal. They are clearly going in the direction of electric. So how's that going? Yeah, so uh, this is the so-called MVB platform. This is Volkswagen's mass market, all electric platform. There's no hybrid involved here. There's no gasoline engine, not even in the form of a small generator this is a pure electric car platform from scratch. It is a rear-wheel drive at its core with optional all-wheel drive coming next year. And the first car in this series of vehicles that is now reaching uh, dealerships across Europe is the so-called ID3. And you can really think of it as an all-electric Golf. Now, of course, we've had for six years already an all-electric Golf. But if you think about it, that one was adapted from... Uh, the regular gasoline and diesel yeah. golf, and uh, the range was somewhat limited, about 125 miles. But uh, the range of this new series of Volkswagens uh, that are fundamentally the same body shape and size uh, are it's approximately double. So depending on which variant you buy, we're talking about a range from the general order of about 250 miles. Is this a make or break for VW? In many ways, it is, because uh, they have staked their future on this flat platform, and not to make just a couple hundred thousand a year, but to make, uh, in a few short years from now, over one million a year. And uh, so this cannot afford to fail. And we've seen, of course, an eight-month delay. They were supposed to start delivering this platform in Europe in January, and they only got started now here right around September 1st, which is... Uh, uh, a significant delay for the company, and uh, it has been a bit of an embarrassment. And the main reason for delay, because the hardware, they started making them in November last year, and they had made about uh, 30,000 of them or so by January, and uh, they were just been sitting there waiting for this one particular software update uh, that took several, several months here to complete, but we're, we're finally there. Um, do you think that they are going to have an easy success with this vehicle or are they entering into a crowded marketplace which already has a lot of electric vehicles of a similar size on sale? 
Well, so it's a bit of a mixed bag there because, yes, there's lots of competition, but you should also know that in Europe, Volkswagen's market position overall is almost dominant. I mean, they have the highest market share as a group, and they have more dealerships than anybody else, and they're viewed as a quality company in terms of uh, vehicles that actually work, work all the time, and have a long uh, lifespan ahead of them. So in the early days here, the expectations for Volkswagen is very high that they will be able to sell basically every electric car that they put into the market, especially given the huge incentives that are being given. Uh, there are kind of sticks and carrots all across Europe. They really have to sell these millions of units because if they don't, they face huge fines. So uh, the, they will sell many of them, not necessarily because customers want them, if they have to pay the price that they actually uh, that they actually um, it takes to manufacture these vehicles. But Volkswagen itself is essentially taking a, a loss on all of these cars when you you know consider the fact that they have to um, otherwise face huge fines uh, if they don't sell a certain percentage of their fleet uh, of all of these all-electric uh, types that are now uh, just starting to roll out. Uh, they, In their wisdom, Volkswagen didn't think it had a place in the United States that uh, the Americans wouldn't be interested in this vehicle. Well, uh, they are going to be selling a variant of this vehicle starting in December of this year. They're just going to start taking orders now. Uh, you can basically show you an interest uh, by uh, putting it down about $100 and get in line. And they will start to, the first deliveries are supposed to take place just before Christmas. So uh, small volumes to be sure, but this is the SUV variant of the initial vehicle that has just gone on sale in Europe. And uh, that will be exported from Germany for about a year and a half. And then roughly around April of 2022, they will start making a variant of that vehicle in Tennessee. So you, we will have a, a locally made one uh, after about the second quarter of the 2022 as well. Now, on the back of that, that's the ID4, of course, which is the SUV version of the ID3, which is only available in Europe. Uh, and on the back of that, Skoda, which is one of the brands under the VW umbrella, they introduced their version uh, based on the ID4, the SUV version. That's right. So in Europe, they segment these things very, very close to each other. So a Volkswagen ID4 is essentially the same car as a Skoda ENIAC, which it is called. And there's some slight styling elements that are different inside and out. But at the end of the day, it's the exact same car. Same Everything under the skin is the same. Same hard points, same drivetrain, same everything, same software. Uh, the Skoda, however, um, is the first one to be made in the second factory uh, where uh, the Volkswagen Group will be making this platform. And that factory is the main Skoda factory in the Czech Republic. So whereas the initial Volkswagen, Audi, and Seat models will be made in a particular factory in Germany, the Skoda one will be uh, the next factory to begin production of this platform, and that is on the Czech side of the border. And Skoda is kind of popular, of course, in the Eastern Bloc countries and in Spain and Portugal, right? Well, Skoda has actually become more popular across almost all of Europe. So Seat, which is the other uh, similar type of brand that they have in Europe, is clearly most popular in the southern part of Europe, like okay. Spain, its original home country, and then Portugal and Italy. Skoda is more popular in northern and eastern Europe. So in Scandinavia and in eastern and central Europe, Skoda has done uh, rather well in the last uh, decade or so. Uh, Volvo is also jumping into the electric field with their new XC40 all-electric SUV. They're going to start taking reservations for that soon. Do you think that's going to have uh, grounds to be a success in the North America? 
Well, it all depends on how many units to allocate to the North American market, because clearly, just as with almost all of these other electric vehicles, the first priority they have now in the short term is Europe, because of Europe's enormous fines that they don't make all of these quantities of electric cars and sell them. So while the vehicle is made in Belgium, uh, I imagine that the, the larger quantity of the output of that particular all-electric XC40 compact SUV will be made available for the European market, but they are just now starting to take uh, reservations for the U.S. market, and that will mean that certainly sometime during calendar 2021, we will be seeing it right here in the United States. The question is just really how many units will be uh, put on boats to come over here. I wouldn't hold my breath that, that it will be all that many thousands of units. Uh, but Volvo have made uh, quite uh, an interesting uh, opportunity for themselves in the electric market, saying that they're going to try and push their entire fleet electric eventually. Well, so what they really said back uh, two or three years ago was that uh, every new, uh, all new vehicle family that will be announced by 2019 and onwards uh, will have at least one electrified variant, but that's a pretty low hurdle. That means anything from a mild hybrid enough. But the reality is that almost everything that they come out with will have um, all sorts of powertrains versions from a mild hybrid to a plug-in hybrid to an all-electric. And then, of course, they've got the Polestar brand, which is effectively uh, owned by the same uh, people as Volvo. And uh, under the skin, uh, they are all the same. But uh, Polestar going forward will be strictly all-electric. There will be no hybrid, no mild hybrid, no plug-in hybrid, no anything other than pure electric going forward for the Polestar brand. So Volvo will offer a version of the same. So, for example, this new XC40 uh, compact SUV is really the same car under the skin as the Polestar 2. Uh, the Polestar 2 gets a slightly different tuning, so it'll have more horsepower and it'll be a, be a little bit more fancier. But at, at the end of the day, we're talking about essentially the same vehicle under the skin, and you'll see a lot more of that. They'll be coming out over the next handful of years with at least one new all-electric model every single year. All right, let's finally talk about my favorite subject, Tesla. Disastrous July. Uh, Tesla seems to have recovered in August somewhat, and that seems to be mainly thanks to Germany. That's right. So we just got uh, most of the numbers in from the European markets where the governments are very good at reporting monthly sales. And uh, after a really, really poor several months, a pretty the entire year has been horrible for Tesla in Europe in July. It was the worst month of them all. Uh, they finally made a very strong rebound. And we saw it in Germany. They sold uh, over 2,700 units of the Model 3 there, for example, and a couple of other countries, most notably into the Netherlands and Switzerland. They had very strong sales for, for being uh, the middle month of a quarter. As you may or may not know, the uh, Tesla sales in Europe tend to be so heavily geared to the last month of the quarter. So we would expect such strong numbers for September. Uh, but uh, it turns out that uh, August was a little bit stronger than expected. And, of course, if they all they did was to pull sales away from September to August, well, then at the end of the day, when the final verdict for the quarter will have been rendered, that won't be quite as impressive. But for now, anyway, they're a bit ahead of what we expected them to be just a few short weeks ago. Does the future look bright for Tesla, or is it still a little uh, in question? Well, Tesla certainly will sell a lot of units as long as they can uh, lower their prices, because Tesla has been willing at every step of the way to sacrifice profit margins uh, in favor of, of, of meeting a, a higher unit sales goals. And uh, every, almost every quarter, they essentially have more than one significant price cuts on one model or the other, whether it's the Model S, the Model X, the Model 3, or the Model Y. 
So they keep lowering their prices in order to uh, move the sales. And I, I would expect that to happen here yet again very, very soon. And when they lower prices, they can, uh, they can sell more units just like any other product in society. Uh, but strangely enough, they have uh, they have not seemed to uh, make a profit yet, which to me, whether you lower your price of per unit and haven't made a profit, that may be a topic for another time. It's always amazing to have you on the show, Anton. Uh, and congratulations, by the way. Anton is going to be uh, moving to Puerto Rico, which uh, I think in the future, which is really exciting. And now I have a place to vacation, uh, which is going to be even more exciting. You can read the majority of his stuff at the street or Seeking Alpha. He is an independent analyst. Anton Warman, read his stuff. It will educate you. Stand by. We're going to talk luxury, British luxury, next. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Your smart speaker can be your radio. Just say, hey, Google, or hey, Alexa, or hey, Siri, play Our Auto Expert radio show and all the previous episodes of the show. The podcasts are available. Hours of endless fun for you and the entire family. I'm Nick Miles, along with Truck Girl Jen. And our auto expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. Now, if you read the Wagoneer story, the Grand Wagoneer story on ourautoexpert.com, it would have been written by uh, my pal, Perry Stern, who joins us now, not to talk about the Grand Wagoneer, but to talk about a lifestyle which he would like to become accustomed to, and that is (laughs) driving the Rolls-Royce Cullinan. Well, who did you have to pay off to get uh, the loan of a new Cullinan? I don't know. I'm sure the bill is going to come, though, at some point. (laughs) (laughs) You you brace yourselves for the trouble. It it is a bit of a step up from the uh, Wagoneer, though. Yeah, well, just a little bit. Um, First of all, I love Rolls-Royce. I absolutely love Rolls-Royce. I think they are uh, ultimately an amazing brand. But I have decided I could never own one because I would worry too much about the car. It is a problem. I mean, this is this is a car that costs more than some houses. It's you know the car that I was driving, the Cullinan, uh, as it was equipped, was about four hundred thousand dollars. And keep in mind that this was almost, if you want to call it that, it would almost be a bare bones uh, Cullinan. Yeah, I mean, so there's a lot more you can add to this thing. A bare bones Rolls Royce is probably a lot better than most people's houses, but uh, and especially since it's handcrafted, um, it it worries me constantly. I mean, it's amazing to drive, amazing to sit in, but it worries me constantly. Where did I park it? Is there anything next to me? Is someone going to pull in next? To- I I went and did a story when I had a Cullinan last on the fact that Walmart was doing drive-in movie theaters this summer and turning a lot of its parking lots into drive-in movie theaters. And of course, they have the stadium uh, pl- package that can be at the back of the vehicle, which you can sit in. And I drove the one I had into a Walmart parking lot. And of course, you know, often see Rolls Royces in Walmart parking lots. So it uh, got a lot of security guys stopping by to try and find out uh, what was going on. When you have a Rolls Royce Cullinan in Seattle, where do you take it? Or does it does it live in your neighborhood? It stayed in the neighborhood. But the interesting thing was I took it up uh, out towards Carnation, which is kind of out in the countryside in the farmland. And there was a couple, an older couple, picking berries on the side of the road. And as I was driving up, uh, the husband looked up, pointed, started waving and smiling. They knew exactly what it was, even though they probably had never seen one on the road, because I don't know that I've even seen a Cullinan on the road. Uh, and so it was, it's certainly recognizable no matter where you take it, even among people who have not driven it. And the people that I saw recognize it liked it. I mean, it made them happy. It, it wasn't like... 
uh, they were jealous or angry because I got to drive a Rolls Royce. <laughs> it, it's hard, <laughs> which to is be, what I expected. Right. I mean, it's hard <laughs> to be jealous of them because it's not. It, it's 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 amazing luxury. But the the people who usually buy these are job creators. Um, they're people who who you know they have built up from a lot of times. People who drive Rolls Royces are people uh, who have nothing and started a business and have made the business into a success. And they deserve it for all the hard work and all the years of struggle that they put in to to create it. So you never sort of you're never mad at somebody for driving a Rolls Royce at, at the same time. But it's not just an amazing luxury piece of machinery. It's powerful. It's fast and it's fun to drive too. It is. It's it's and it's amazing how smooth and quiet the power comes on. When you put your foot down, it's not so much being thrown back in your seat. It's not like driving a high performance sports car, but the power it's almost like turning a dial because the power comes on so smooth and then you glance down and suddenly you're going 80 and you don't even realize it because it's it, it, it keeps the noise the road noise the wind noise everything out of the vehicle it's it's just designed to be smooth and quiet and pamper its passengers which it does a wonderful job of especially in the cullinan the uh, a, lo- a lot of the luxury is in the back because this is a car uh, the cullinan's one of the cars that you get driven around in by uh, a chauffeur or something like that the the back isn't isn't massive it's not a huge amount of space in the back i mean there's always ample amount of space in every rolls royce but it's not like you have to get up and walk from one side of the car to the other is it it's no it's not like a phantom or even a ghost but it's it's still plenty of room back there and my favorite part is when you get in you want to take your shoes off because it has the softest lamb's wool floor mats of any vehicle i have ever been in uh and it just makes you want my daughter suggested she could take a nap on them (laughs) i uh i do i did encourage my spouse who was wearing flip-flops at the time that we took it out uh to to take the shoes off and they were amazed that were oh really that's why it has to yes it's to be taken off in fact it's it's a fun car to nap in as well because those seats are so soft and so so luxurious it's almost like uh it's almost like your own bed is that comfortable it is incredibly comfortable and that's kind of what a rolls royce is about it's you know it's about luxury and quietness i mean this one's got the umbrellas in the back doors just like every other rolls royce so if it's raining you push the little button in the door jam and out pops the custom umbrella um, I mean, everything about it is just high end. My only problem with it is I don't find it terribly attractive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some people, I don't find it unattractive, though, too, uh, which is interesting. I mean, Rolls Royces are interesting. They're not gary and ostentatious. That This one is sort of, I think they tried to not make it gary. I think the one thing that always makes me smile about this is when they des- after they designed it, they put a piece of glass behind the rear seats, so the luggage compartment was separated. And uh, and when I asked the designer uh, why they did that, he said, "Well, you don't ride with the luggage. That's you know, you you don't ride in the luggage car. The luggage goes separately in the back." And so I well, almost it was also explained so that when the passengers get in, they're nice and warm while the help are loading the luggage in the cold, windy, rainy day. Yes. And who is this help you speak of? Because it's usually me loading <laughs> <Yeah>. the luggage. <laughs> did your... I keep looking for help and no one shows up. Did your Cullinan come with an assistant? Because mine didn't. <laughs> it should have. It should have come with a driver. That would have been the ultimate because you're right. That back seat is the place to ride and. Uh, I sat back there and even brought up the TV screen. It has the nice wood inlaid tables in the yeah. back. Uh, it's a nice place to be. But, I just, you know, it's, it's $400,000. It better be a nice place. Yeah, to be. of course. I have this vision. 
<laughs> I have this vision of you sitting outside your house in the rain as your as your daughter is is loading the luggage and your wife sitting in the driver's seat and you're like, hurry up, you peasants, come on, <laughs> Perry's ready to go. Yeah, you need to have yeah, a little you know tea party. Loading, I would be the one loading the yeah. luggage. <laughs> <laughs> yes, see, I think your family is very similar to my family as well. It's quite funny. Uh, is, is it a good buy? Do you think if you're going to buy a Rolls Royce, it should be a Cullinan? Um, I suppose it, well, it depends on what your use is. If you're going to be going off-roading, if you're going to be towing stuff, if you want a vehicle that, you know, has utility, which it certainly does. I've taken it off-roading and it's impressive. But if you're just getting a Rolls Royce to have a Rolls Royce, I mean, my pick is the Wraith. Yes. Uh, That's the one that's fun to drive. Uh, Of course, of course. And I have to say, this is the only Rolls-Royce can get you right to the river to do your salmon or your fly fishing, where the others, you have to park it on the track and then walk down to the river. That's one of the reasons I like the color. I've never been fishing in my life. What am I saying? Uh, Perry Stern, you can read read the majority of his stuff, and it's uh, pretty amazing reads at ourautoexpert.com or MSN Autos. Uh, He is a great contributor to the website and uh, also to MSN as well. If you want to read stories, see videos and listen to previous episodes of the podcast ourautoexpert.com is the place to go we'll be back next time you've been listening to our auto expert with nick miles find all the show episodes at ourautoexpert.com please follow us on all social media twitter facebook and instagram at our auto expert and message us for a quick and witty response 